This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by, I was going to say Zach Blossings. That's what I've been saying first lately in my mind, but that's not accurate. Not accurate. Wow, Chris. I'm off to a rough start, buddy. Chris Nee here. Hi. Hi. I'm here to save the show. <laughs> oh, thank God. How many people, how many thousands of people are listening right now? I mean, like, thank God Chris is here. It won't be just Brendan stuttering his way through it. Mm. Just blink, Brendan. That's what the people care about, blink. Oh, I don't know we were doing video for this. I was not blinking. All right, so Chris I and I are video. <laughs> eh, we'll see. Chris and I are getting into a Syracuse preview as Florida State looks to go 6-0. and Chris, uh, the Seminoles are a game away from being bowl eligible. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's funny. We uh that used to be like a scratch and a claw thing like here the last few years, and now it's like a forgotten fact that that's about to come this weekend. Yeah, now I'm asking, well, let's not count our chickens, uh Delaware chickens before they hatch. But yeah, now we're looking ahead to uh when playoff rankings and all that good stuff is. So uh quite a far cry from two years ago when FSU played Syracuse at Doak and they were 0-4. Now you're five and oh and 18 point favorite going into this game. Before we go any further, give a shout out first to one of our main sponsors, Chattanooga Whiskey, crushing it absolutely in the craft distillery game. I love all of their products. Like legitimately everything I've tried has been from ranging from excellent and elite to at least interesting when they try different stuff. Like they are, they do everything so well. Um, bourbon, cast drink bourbons, awesome. Rye, experimental uh, batch type of things. They have a peated one out right now. So if you're kind of a fan of, of scotch or you want to try to dip your toe in the smoky scotch game, they actually have an American style whiskey that has some, some malted peat uh, barley in it. So like, uh, give it a little try. So Chattanooga whiskey, you can find them all over the Southeast. Thank you to our sponsor there. Uh, Chris, let's get into this. So FSU favored by 18 points. Okay. So they, they Vegas likes FSU here. I know some people have been surprised that the, the line was not a little bit, or excuse me, the spread was a little bit more favorable for FSU. But Syracuse, 4-2. Uh, they are coming off a two-game losing streak here. Played two good teams, which is kind of you know typical for Syracuse, right? They have a decent start to the season, beat up some pretty bad out-of-conference opponents, and then all of a sudden the conference starts. And here they are, 0-2 in the conference, lost to Clemson two weeks ago, and then just got absolutely housed by UNC 40-7 to this past weekend. So I think we're getting an idea of, a floor and ceiling for Syracuse. But uh, when Florida State's on offense, Syracuse is going to do some things that I think, man, can – at the very least, going to play a lot of games with the Rocky Long defense. They're going to make yep. you uh, have to deal with a lot of pressure. So let, let's get into it. What are your thoughts when looking over the Syracuse defense? Well, I watched the Clemson and the UNC game. I fear those are two opponents that are somewhat comparable to what FSU should present. You know, FSU probably has better skill than either of those teams. 
Uh, Rocky Long, you know, for those unfamiliar, 335 guy, he's done it forever, as Alex Atkins called him earlier this week. He's the originator of that defense. It, create, it creates a lot of havoc. It changes the picture. All defenses are trying to change the picture on you, but in watching them, they do a good bit of it. They're going to throw bodies towards the line, then have them back off, bring people from different places. It's not going to look very similar snap to snap, and they're going to try to create havoc while playing a decent amount of man in the back half. On that point, fifth in the country in man coverage, which surprised me in watching their two games because they don't exactly have the dudes in the secondary that match up well for playing man coverage with people that have high-level skill. I'm interested in how they try to do that to FSU when FSU has potentially, you know, Johnny Wilson's available, obviously he got picked up last weekend, but potentially Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, three high-level NFL-type pass catchers out there. And even beyond those guys, if FSU's having to lean into their other pieces in the passing game, I would argue that FSU's got very good, talented, athletic pieces to their passing game. Um, you know, it's interesting. Clemson, they created a hell of a lot of pressure. Klubnik actually had a really good day when he was able to get it out of his hand. But there were a lot of instances where the pocket was collapsing. He was struggling to do things, advance forward. And then UNC kind of kept him clean. UNC did a really good job of kind of they, – they seemed to tighten their splits. They were going to allow Drake May to have a pocket to throw to. And at times when the pocket did uh, start collapsing, and usually that was because of pressure around the outside the edge, May was able to step up and either throw or just take what was in front of him as far as a runner. Um couple of things that stood out in watching those two games quite often. You have to check down to a running back if they're not an extra blocker where you can throw it right in front of the line of scrimmage and they're usually pretty free because so many people are rushing towards you. Again, unimpressed with the secondary, what they're capable of doing as far as man-to-man coverage, handling high-level pass catchers. But they're going to create pressure. They are going to bring it. They are going to make it uncomfortable for you. If you do not block it up, they're going to create opportunities. And if you're loosey-goosey with the ball or you're doing stuff where you're passing behind the line of scrimmage, they're going to create opportunities for turnovers there. They had a couple against Clemson. There was one that was almost a backwards pass that would probably flip that game a great deal in the second half, but it ended up being ruled a uh, clean lateral, therefore not a backwards pass. Um, or I'm sorry, not a lateral, an actual forward pass. And, uh, yeah, I just I, – I, I, I don't know. It's interesting. It, like, it's – the purpose is clear. It's it's havoc at the line of scrimmage. It's trying to get to the quarterback and put him down. But man, they leave themselves really susceptible to explosive plays. It's funny looking at some of the advanced metrics for Syracuse. Like against the run, uh, their EPA allowed is seventh nationally, success rate twenty first nationally, and then you get to some of the advanced stuff in the passing game. The success rate is sixty eighth nationally, EPA per play forty second nationally. So like a clear discrepancy of of what they are in stopping the run versus the passing game. I think that points to what you said, Chris, playing style. Like they put their guys, their cornerbacks on an island. Uh, Clemson wins that game largely because of some of the vertical stuff they were yeah, able to Tyler, hit. Tyler Brown had a good day in that game. He did a really effective job. And yeah, Shipley, Shipley was good in that game, but the, the havoc at the line was so great that Clemson started trying to protect it enough to go vertical. And that's that's where I think you know we start looking in this matchup and and Dane and Trey will be doing know thy enemy uh, for Friday morning and go super in depth into the personnel for Syracuse. We're going more holistic of of things that we're seeing as it pertains to the FSU matchup. Like I know FSU wants to continue to run the ball, Chris. Like they had success against Virginia Tech. I don't think Syracuse is going to allow you to unless you're forcing the issue. So I think you're running the ball is going to be a lot more like. Dump off screen game. That's how you're going to try to open that team up, stretch them horizontally. 
and then you can win vertically. Like I think that's kind of the way to do it. I predict Jaheim Bell to have a big game with that in mind. I think that's a, a winning formula. You get in that dude with a little bit more rest, uh, go, and, and you kind of need him to. Their last three opponents have all gone over 125 on the ground. Army 125, given Army is a run-based type of system. That's all they're doing is running. <clears throat> Clemson, buck 26, and then UNC Eclipse 200. UNC put up over 640 total yards again. Some UNC just kind of took it to them. Yeah. Um, I, I do think the opportunity is there, kind of like what UNC did. And it was there for Clemson, but Klubnik did a lot of going east-west instead of stepping up and going north-south. I, I think Jordan Travis will have opportunities to just shoot the gap, go straight ahead, you know, between the guards as a place breaking down, and there's going to be space for him to take. If he kind of runs like he did against VTech, I think he can have a real effective day and produce good yardage and kind of loosen things up. If he's a bit more like he was in the early portion of the season, pre-Virginia Tech with running the ball, I don't know that FSU will take advantage of that. But I do think it's there. I I would run straight at him directly in between the offensive linemen, offensive tackles, between the guards, truthfully. Uh, you know, zero for them is a little fire hydrant at D-tackle. One would hope that FSU's offensive line with the size and experience would be able to open some gaps, open some holes. What they are going to try to do is shoot those gaps, shoot those holes, and come off the edge and create a little bit of one-on-ones or zero-on-one situations where they can make you uh, – have tackles for loss, and that's why they rack them up. They're one of the better teams in the country at racking up tackles for loss for a reason. A lot of picture changing right before the play or as the play starts even, too. That's kind of what that three-three-five scheme uh, intends to do. Let's talk a little bit about when FSU is on defense, Syracuse's offense. I, I think it, it really starts and ends with Garrett Schrader, or at least starts with him. It might end with him, too. There's not a ton of talent on this team with Randy Gatson injured, but Garrett Schrader, quarterback, Chris, let's get going on a guy that FSU uh, fans are, are fairly familiar with. Yeah, he's got almost 1,300 yards on the year. He's completing at about 65% rate. He's our second leading rusher. I think FSU's ultra familiar familiar with Garrett Schrader. One thing that stood out, he was very loose with the ball against Clemson. Clemson actually created a turnover because of that. And uh, UNC, he did it again. He's one of these guys that sometimes when he gets working himself forward, he's just holding that ball down there one-handed. You know, it would drive Mike Norvell nuts. King of two hands would not be real happy with that. But I think FSU is real familiar with Garrett Schrader. We all know when he gets north-south, he's a load. He's a tough kid to bring down. He checks in at 225 pounds, big six-foot-four frame. He's also played a ton of college ball. He kind of understands situations. He handles the pressure of the good and the bad pretty well. You know, the UNC game got away from him, but they tried to stay competitive with Clemson for two and a half to three quarters of that game. And Schrader is a big reason for that. LaQuint Allen is your primary running back now. He was a reserve running back there for the last couple of years. Very good pass catcher as a running back, actually. Very high percentage guy when the ball comes his way. He does a good job bringing it in, effective with doing that. He had a nice touchdown against Clemson where he got behind in a one-on-one. Real nice ball over the top from Schrader. He caught it for a touchdown. Allen's a capable runner, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to destroy you on the ground. As you mentioned with receivers, obviously, they're missing a Ronde Gadsden a great deal. Uh, they don't call Gadsden a tight end, but he's built like a tight end, so we'll call him a tight end for purposes of doing this. Dan Valeri has stepped into that, had a big catch against Clemson, hasn't done much else beyond that. Primary receivers are Donovan Brown, 22 for 298 and one. He's 6'1", buck 80. Yumari Hatcher, who is 6'3", 183, has 19 for 310 and two touchdowns. And then Damian Alford, who's a big boy, 6'6", 210 pounds. Damian Alford is from South Florida. I believe he's an Aquinas product, if I recall correctly. He has 18 for 282 in one. Um, and then you throw an Allen in there. They've got four guys that have 18 or 18 to 20 so catches for them. That's kind of how they divide and conquer those three in a running back or the primary pass catchers. 
Right, here's the okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. A, a, a little trivia question. All right. Pulling it up, making sure I get this information right. Yes. Okay. Correct on it. Saw the name. was like, that oh, seemed familiar. Syracuse's offensive coordinator, Jason Beck, was a quarterback for what team in the 2000s? What college team? I don't know. Oh, I thought this is just the beginning of my like football nerdiness when I was starting to really enjoy uh, football at its peak. Uh, BYU. He was a BYU gunslinger, I believe. There you go. All right. I thought you would know. I thought we'd have a little moment there, Chris. I just no, no, never mind. No, not familiar with him as a former player. That's unfortunate. Um, from an offensive line standpoint, I think the coaching staff at FSU said they have two returning from what they saw last year. In watching those Clemson and UNC games, I thought their guards were not good. Um, to, I thought their tackles were not good watching those two games. Well, you uh, can get around their tackles, but I feel like you can straight ahead. Baby and Lovett, Joshua Farmer, guys like that should go straight at the left guard and should have a day. Like, you can get off him. He does not do a good job with second moves. You can get by him, very quickly get in the hole. Schrader has a tendency sometimes to creep too close to the line of scrimmage, and uh, that gets him in a bit of trouble. So, uh, no, the O-line is not super impressive. Schrader helps make up for some of that. Obviously, they're going to move the pocket some. They're also going to try to get you off balance with some of the stuff they do. A lot of their stuff is very quick. With the receivers, they like to run a decent amount of comeback or uh, hesitation-type routes and then maybe turn vertical on them. Uh, you, you can bait them a bit with your linebackers in coverage. Um, in fact, Clemson did. Late in that Clemson game, I believe Jeremiah Trotter got a pick because he acted like he was going to drop, and then he he just came right up and took the ball right away because Schrader decided to take the underneath, and it was a nice, easy pick. So there's things there to do. Yeah, I, I – I, struggling to hide that I was very unimpressed by Syracuse in watching them play Clemson and UNC. Uh, they were downright really bad against UNC and they did battle Clemson, but they just, yeah, you got to score points at some point. They weren't very good at doing that. And, and they had some, both of those games, they got in a hole early through some like weird kind of plays too. And here's not good enough of your Syracuse to, to overcome that. They had a, a fumble return for a touchdown that Clemson was able to get on a weird pass from, from Schrader, and then I think UNC's first touchdown drive came off of a <laughs> Syracuse blocked the punt, went up in the air. The punter caught it. Caught it yeah. rushed, did he rushed, get the first down? He I, got a first down, but man, did he pay for it? But I'm not sure he actually got the first down. They they gave him the first down, but like uh, watching uh, that replay, I think it was another fine moment in ACC officiating. ACC officiating the team in the in the triangle got an edge. But yeah, he got licked. At, it was right at the marker where he got hit, and the ball was in the left arm, and he's kind of turned, but. He did not get up quickly. He, you know, he man, probably did not feel good the next day. I like to complain about ACC officiating as much as the next person. If a punter takes that hit and gives that effort, I'm giving the tie goes to the to the runner there. A, a, little, a little tidbit uh, when we get into some of the metrics here on Syracuse's offensive line. Of players who played more than 50 snaps for them on offense, their lowest graded, according to PFF, is Mark Petrie, their right tackle, 50.5. Their next lowest graded. Offensive player with more than 50 snaps is Enrique Cruz at 52.3. Which is their so, other tackle. Yeah, that's their other offensive tackle. Yeah, and so. Chris Bleich, who's their offensive guard, I believe, started his career at UF, maybe, if I recall correctly. Um, um, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Not an then, impressive O-line. Not an impressive offense in general with, with Gatson out. Uh, they had that big tight end that made some plays against Clemson, but I don't think he's been super productive this season. Yep. Like, dude, um, he had one long one down the sideline. That's really where yeah. he's already trying to People on our board, like, in that moment, we're comparing him to Gronk, and I had to look up the rest of the stats of the season. Like, All right, guys, let's 
calm down a little bit. Uh, the one thing that does give me a little trepidation and not a ton here for Syracuse's offense, but something you're going to have to respect. And if, if they're going to mess around and, and keep this close, it's going to be because be because Garrett Schrader did something on the ground. He has 368 rushing yards this season. So one of the more productive rushing quarterbacks on the year, but a lot more like what, what Kyron Drones was for you in terms of like rushing style, more of a, a bruiser. Uh, but, but I think Schrader has a little bit more wheels. Uh, real quick, Chris, going down the line here, just finally looking at quarterback rushing attempts this season. Number two nationally is Thomas Castellanos. Number six nationally in attempts is Kyron Drones. Number seven, Jaden Daniels. Garrett Trader is right in there at number nine. So FSU uh, wouldn't say that their strength is stopping running rushing quarterbacks. Actually, it's been proven. Where, where's Riley Leonard? Riley Leonard, uh, who has missed a game at this point, right? Or was Duke off this past week? They had a bye week. They had a bye week. Uh, Riley Leonard is – rushing yards, he's up there. Attempts, he's, he's averaging almost seven yards a carry. Uh, attempts, he's 44th, uh, but still up there. Uh, and then also, just if you're interested, K Klubnik, 29th. So you went against that. And then uh, I think I saw Wake Forest quarterback there too. Yep, Mitch Griffiths, 16th. So uh, about half your schedule is in the upper half to even like upper tier of – of quarterbacks who just want to run the football. and, and It's great that, that that's such a strength for FSU. <laughs> but they're almost out, uh, knock on wood, they're almost out of the thick of that. So <laughs> until until you get to the ACC championship game and then you get Drake May who can do pretty much about anything. So so conversely, and I think you watched the UNC game too, man, May was good. Like yeah, he made I, a couple of really high level throws in that game. And was good just keeping like moving in the pocket, keeping uh, he he that was first round, yeah, top five draft pick, Drake May that, that Syracuse yeah. went up against. And I know Klubnik wasn't great under pressure, some weird things, but some of the, the throws he made against them, I thought that was big boy throws. Like if he makes those kind of throws consistently against Florida State, we're probably having a different conversation given how close that game was. I, I do think like that Syracuse defense has gone through the ringer a little bit, but hey, Dino Babers was legitimately complimentary. I don't think he was gassing him up of, of Jordan Travis this week too, and, and knows they're they're in for like another challenge. So. Yeah, if, if I'm pointing out individuals on their defense that I do like that I think are capable, Marlo Wax is well seasoned linebacker, very good player. He's been a good player for for the last several years. Him and Leon Lowry create a nice little linebacker combo. They do a good job. They tend to end a lot of plays. They do a good job of attacking downhill when they get green lighted. And then Justin Barron's playing the old school rover position, which is basically dead in college football, except for for Syracuse. In Rocky Long's defense, for those unfamiliar, that position, what Justin Barron is playing for them, and Justin Barron checks in at 6'4, 231, is what Brian Erlacher played way back when for Rocky Long. So that just gives you an idea. Brian Erlacher. Um, yeah, you, didn't, you didn't expect that one out of the. Cobbler no, I thought the Jason Beck reference was as uh, – as we're just sticking with desert, uh, G5 desert references, I think, is what we're doing today. All right, let's see. Going back to the script here. So let's – and that and by the way, I should have said up at the top of it, uh, that segment where we talked a little, little FSU defense uh, was sponsored by College. Damn it. Chris. Football coach, College Dynasty, available on Steam. Zach's a huge fan. If you've got any questions – you can ask any of us. Brendan's played it. I have not. Zach has played it the most of any of us, so he can probably tell you every in and out of the game. I believe the price saw a slight increase, but it's still a great deal. Very fun. A lot of good feedback on that one. People that have played it seem to really enjoy it, and it seems to be very popular. It it is it is a lot of fun. You can lose a lot of a lot of time playing it in the best way possible. If you're a weirdo like me who likes a transfer portal and dropping NIL bags, like that's all 
all stuff you can do. It's super in-depth, a lot of fun, cool strategy game. So uh, football coach, college dynasty, available on Steam. Okay, now let's get to a little game of Buyer Sinone. Who's it sponsored by, Chris? The Turner Group. The Turner Group. Don't Sinone on entering the housing market. If you've been thinking about it, just because you're like, I don't want to do it, it's going to be a pain in the butt. Uh, you're going to try to find someone who can help you make the process as easy as possible. You want someone with connections, someone who's going to be responsive to your phone calls and, and work really hard for you. That's Colin Turner, Amy Turner, Becky, everyone at the Turner Group. Becky! <laughs> do a great job. Legitimately very responsive. And, and Colin's just an awesome dude. So if you're looking, if you don't know where to start, reach out to Colin. Uh, and you can find up all this information on uh, just, just Google Turner Group. Probably the easiest way to do it. Then you're trying to remember me rattling out seven uh, digits. Uh, but also, if you need help making a, making a connection, shoot me a DM or PM or whatever. I'll help out with that as well. Uh, so the Turner Group is going to be our sponsor for Buyer Sinone. Let's get going, Chris. Buyer Sinone. Jordan Travis doesn't go to the middle of the field enough. I would have known that. How come? Because, well, one, numbers say he do does. Some people don't care about numbers. So let's um, ignore that. And two, again, as I keep reiterating every time we discuss this, as long as that ball is being delivered to the three NFL players that can catch the ball, I'm cool with it. And it's a pass-read offense. So if the first guy is one-on-one or open, he is going there. He is not going to scan the field. He is not going to analyze all three or four options. He is going to take, and he is going to go. I get it. I understand that there have been moments where the opportunity was greater to the middle of the field than to the outside of the field. I wholeheartedly understand that. I'm not morally opposed to it. But, like, it's turned into something that's so far greater than what it actually is. Did you catch my uh, my little Twitter argument earlier in the week? I didn't. I, I avoid that thing like the plague. Sorry, buddy. It's probably, probably for the best. It's amazing how many people can be given correct information and just willingly say no. But I've moved on. This is this is a new me. New week, new me. But uh, how do you know it was right, Brandon? Because uh, I'm 100% sure it was correct. <laughs> um, by Orsonone, Destin Hill gets his first career touchdown this week. So this was a Dane thing, right? Didn't Dane throw this uh, Dane doesn't get credit for it because he tried to make the bet with me. I said yes. Just I, I said no just because statistically, like, not like we I had even odds to basically say it was he wasn't gonna get his first touchdown. Um, I, uh, and then Dane backed out of the I deal after gonna, shook hands. I think I'm gonna buy it. I, I think there's a fair chance. Uh one, we saw him have a really good catch last week. Dustin's been ramping up more and more, and he's truthfully been good since preseason. But in the sense of in game, I think we're starting to see him be somebody that's viewed as a candidate to get the ball thrown his way a little bit more. Even in practice, we're sensing him more. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, the bye week, I, the bye week, and the week leading up to VTech, I thought he was really, really good in practice. Uh, he had one day where the body control stuff just really stood out to me, which is something I've always liked about him: his ability to change his body in the air in motion, very quick with his hands, very good at catching it with his hands. Um, the one thing Destin probably has to improve on the most that we've seen in a mix of games and practice. When it's not a ball that's catchable for him, understand sometimes you got to play defense. I get that's sometimes difficult for a newcomer to the college game. Uh, why do I think he has a possibility of catching a touchdown pass? Why do I think the percentage is maybe higher than normal? Not wholeheartedly convinced we see uh, 14 out there based on him getting banged up last week. With that being in the books, you know, maybe Keon Coleman does draw a little bit extra attention, which I think frees up some of the other guys. Destin's as good of a candidate as any. One last buyer, Sonone, sponsored by the Turner Group. 
Jared Verse continues his sack streak. Yeah. And gets another um, sack. So Syracuse does a good job of avoiding sacks for a team that isn't very good on the line. Uh, they've only allowed 2.67 per game, which is, you know, 102nd in the nation. But that's because they have a quarterback who's good at escaping. It's not because their line blocks it up very well. I think Jared Verse will have a good day. I'm unimpressed by a majority of that offensive line. You pointed out how the tackles both have low PFF grades. I think you can go right at their guards with some one-on-ones and win there. I just think they're a team where the O-line will falter, and there'll be opportunities with Jared's speed for him to do stuff. Garrett Schrader also has a tendency, because of his ability with his leg, to try to extend plays when he probably shouldn't, which you know creates opportunities. So, yeah, I think Jared versus probably keeps that ball rolling downhill. I think he broke through last week from a statistical standpoint, even though he's put together pretty good games here in consecutive weeks, three weeks in a row at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it keeps going. It's interesting. Last year, it was a big talking point. It was like FSU feasted on bad offenses at the second half of the season. And there's definitely some legitimacy uh, to that. But like the one that I pushed back on was like Syracuse because people said, oh, Garrett Schrader was injured, which he was coming back from that game. If you remember, he had like a lower leg injury. He missed some time. That was his first game back. But like FSU dominated at the point of attack and in the trenches so profoundly in that game. Like it didn't matter. He was just getting like caved in consistently. Jared Verse was a huge reason why. If that continues, and this all and that offensive line last year had a, a top fifty draft pick, and I think Matt Bergeron uh, and yeah, Jared versus Bergeron, so like I just I feel like this is another big game for for Jared verse, and if he does need someone else, will like this is a, a chance for you to really uh, control things and kind of pile up some stats if if you can get them in, in third and long situations uh, fairly consistently. So with that in mind, we're making predictions here. Let's move on to our final segment, Chris. It's going to be sponsored by the Battles End. It's predictions. All right, let's 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 make our predictions. We'll have all of them up at Knowles 24-7 on Friday morning or else Zach will be screaming uh, at us if we don't get in before then. Uh, even though, like, my score is up on here and he can just grab it himself, but whatever, I digress. Um, you go first, Chris. I'll let you throw out your score prediction for this game. Uh, real quick, the spread, again, is the point spread is FSU giving 17.5. The over-under is 56 points. I, you know, I have not thought about a score prediction at all for this one. I think FSU is going to take it to him. Um, got it. If I was wholeheartedly confident Johnny Wilson would be out there, I really would be all in on FSU putting up just because I think, I think you can kill Syracuse vertically. Um, I'll go 42-17. to 17. 42-17. Okay. It's a nice clean win, kind of similar to the Virginia Tech a score last week, a score that would have been a lot more lopsided if not for some weird um, stuff. I'm trying not to swear. Stuff happening in the second quarter. So I feel like this team is on the cusp, and I felt this way going – like I felt really good about them blowing out Virginia Tech last week. And it was about to happen before that second quarter and, and Zebras got involved uh, to kind of – and you didn't respond particularly well to that either, uh, to be fair. But um, I think FSU's on the cusp of really handling some teams and kind of figuring stuff out. I don't know, man. I just didn't feel great about this week of practice. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't as sharp as I thought the week before was. But that's I, a clue that they're going to be great. I don't know. It doesn't always know. match up, as we've learned. It did last week. It yeah. did last week. You could it wasn't a Wednesday. bad week. It was a weird week. Yesterday, or yeah, Wednesday was very weird. It was just super chippy. But it wasn't uh, chippy. It felt like they were at each other's throats. It was, it was, it was a weird day. I everybody hates everybody in October. Though, man. It felt chippy and like they were kind of like somewhere else. Um, which maybe they're that confident they'll be able to just go out and handle business and they're feeling that good right now. That could be it. Um, and I think Syracuse is better than Virginia Tech. 
FSU is going to win this game. I just don't know if I feel that it's going to be this lot. I, I feel a blowout coming for this team. I don't know if I feel it this week. Uh, so I'll go Florida State 30, mm, 31. Lower, yeah, I'm going to go 31. Syracuse 14. What's that math wise? They cover? Oh, right there. Yeah, they don't cover, but it's close. I don't think Syracuse offense is very good. I think their defense can be competent. Jordan Travis is going to have to hit the deep ball. That's going to have to be part of this. Uh, it's going to be available to him. He hasn't been as good this year as he's been in past years. And maybe this will be the uh, the kind of the wake-up game where he gets a lot of at-bats, gets in the groove with it, and you know, you're, you're rolling after. Weird, anyways, weird numbers real quick on the score prediction. Both teams run the exact same amount of offensive and defensive plays on the season so far, which is just kind of weird because we know FSU has been limited in running offensive plays at times. That's a mix of third-down success hitting explosives, so on and so forth. It's been discussed pretty well. But, yeah, both teams have been similar in those numbers, so I'm interested in what gives in this game because usually that doesn't hold true for both teams kind of falling into that trap. I think FSU is going to come out and play tempo, and I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to jump on Syracuse and put them away. That would be nice. That would be welcome. That would be a good sign that you did something similar two weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, The key is not allowing a second quarter to happen for the second consecutive week like it did last weekend. Yeah. And again, there were some extenuating circumstances with that. Uh, Real quick before we get out of here, Chris, we don't have Zach on just because we don't have recruiting stuff to really go over. That's not not recruiting stuff to talk about, but uh, just uh, next week's going to be busy for Zach with recruiting coverage. I just wanted to give him a little bit of a break, but real quick, like who is there? It is a slower weekend to be fair with recruiting. Yeah, it's the second home game in three consecutive weeks. Duke will be a night game. Obviously, they're also building up to that weekend in November with Miami. So they're not making a massive push to get a ton of people on campus this weekend. Uh, Jared Curtis, who's an ultra-talented 2026 quarterback from the Nashville area, he's doing. Wilt Fong put a story up on the site last evening pertaining to Jared Curtis. It's worth giving a look. Jared is a kid that was in here over the summer. He's a kid that Tony Tokart's values. He's high level. I think he's number two in his class, according to 24-7. Really, really talented cat. Very, very good football player. Someone that FSU would certainly love to add in that class. They're also expected to bring in a handful of guys that Zach covered, Alvin Henderson among them. There's also a possibility of someone like Jalen Coleman making it in. He's one other name worth mentioning. So check out Zach's list of the five with plays coinciding on D.D. Holmes, Alvin Henderson, a couple others in there, Jared Curtis, and then throw Jalen Coleman in the mix. Again, I think it will be a little bit lighter weekend. We'll update a visitor list here in the next 24, 48 hours leading up to kickoff. I'm expecting a healthy bunch here for Duke and then a massive, massive weekend for Miami. And they've been building the Miami weekend since July ended. That was that was that has always been their next the recruiting event. About three weeks from this weekend. Uh, it's what November 11th, right? Because oh, it's so November 4th or 5th. On. Yeah, because oh, that's right. Because you have Wake and Pitt, and then mm-hmm. you have also with Duke. But yeah, so you got yeah. a little ways to go to that. Yeah. Um, and then Miami, North Alabama, Florida, and regular season's over. Yeah, we're this will we'll be halfway flies. through. We'll be halfway through after this game. So, uh, for for Christney, I'm Brendan Sinone. Thanks everyone for listening. It's been on the bench. Remember to tune in tomorrow, Friday morning. Know the enemy. Uh, but we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.